Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. I hope you're having a great week. We're continuing in a series titled Live Gratefully. Americans live in a culture that pushes us to endlessly expand our expectations and our lifestyles. Like the man in the parable, we never stop building bigger barns and learning to spend however much is in our pocket in the ceaseless pursuit of more. Christ offers us freedom from that endless pursuit by giving us the wisdom and the peace to be more content with what we have than hungry for more. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, it is officially November. Uh, We are coming up way quicker than any of us uh, expect on Thanksgiving uh, and coming up on the holidays, all kinds of things, which uh, also means that we are coming up on a season that is, on the one hand, all about being thankful, uh, thankful for our family around the table, thankful for our joys and blessings, and a season that, on the other hand, is all about, to be frank, money. There is a lot of buying and selling around the holidays. There's, uh, what is it, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, all kinds of advertisements for Christmas sales and things. I'm pretty sure Bed Bath & Beyond doubles the number of 20% off coupons they send us, uh, or at least to our household. They know us. Uh, But November as a month, it's a season of opposites. It's a season of giving thanks and a season of increased financial uh, concerns. So we are starting a new worship series throughout this month that hopefully will address both of those different aspects of the season and also speak to one of the most, I guess, important parts of the Christian life and Christian faith, gratitude. Uh, The basic idea for this series is that as Christians, our basic outlook on life is meant to be one of gratitude rather than of want. Christians, better than anyone else, should know that life is a gift that's meant to be received. Uh, And having a grateful heart, living a grateful life, means having four different practices or four different attitudes that we'll talk about each Sunday this month. Uh, Gratitude requires, number one, contentment, being content with what we have, to perspective, knowing what it is that we have, knowing our life, three, generosity, using what we have to be part of things that are greater than ourself, and number four, rest, time to be still and to enjoy the life that we get as a gift. So we'll be talking about those four practices each Sunday this month, and along with those four different gratitude practices, whatever you want to call them, uh, I will also be issuing kind of a challenge each week that lines up with that practice, whatever it might be, to try and help all of us live a little bit more into gratitude in this season. Uh, And this morning we are starting out, number one, contentment. Uh, And taking a look at one of the most, uh, I guess, famous parables, uh, at least most famous in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, 
Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them all, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being asked of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God of abundant grace, may you give us your grace and your truth in this message, or else, Lord, let this message fade away and be forgotten. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For all our different beliefs and ideas, for all our different values and all our different lifestyles and for all the different things that sometimes divide us there is one thing that unites the vast majority of americans almost all of us want more we live in a culture of more in a consumer culture from the carefully targeted advertisements that we see on TV and our laptops and our phones to the spam promotionals that show up in our inbox to the credit card applications that just show up in our mailbox, we are constantly tempted to want more and to spend more. And many of us do. The average American actually spends about $18,000 a year on non-essential items. Starbucks, coffee, TV subscriptions, spontaneous Amazon purchases, takeout dinner, it all adds up. The average American watches about an hour and 13 minutes worth of commercials every single day, all of which have been carefully chosen based on your search history to get you to buy that one perfect product. Most eye-opening of all, according to one recent study, 79% of Americans believe that they would be happier if only they had more money. And so 69% of Americans also reported their decision for money influences their ordinary daily decisions. We live in a culture of more. 
more income, more buying, more selling, more saving, more earning, more splurging, more stuff, more want, as we all tirelessly try and build bigger barns. Luke 12 is a parable about want. One day, Luke tells us, as Jesus was going through all the cities of Galilee, someone in the crowd shouted out to him, Rabbi, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Which, right away, I think is astounding. Jesus is performing life-changing miracles in front of this person and giving life-giving teachings to the crowd, but all this person really cares about is making sure that he gets what's his. In response, Jesus snaps back at the man and gives the crowd a powerful warning. Verse 15, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then to hold a mirror up to his audience, Jesus tells them a parable about a character who, to be honest, I imagine most of us can probably relate to. Once upon a time, Jesus says, there was a farmer. There was a person who knew what it means to work hard and who earned his pay by the sweat of his brow. And one absolutely perfect season when the weather was ideal and everything just worked out exactly as it was supposed to, one perfect season, we're told, the farmer's land produced abundantly. The farmer's ship comes in, he sets the market, but rather than being joyful, being excited, rather than being grateful for this incredible blessing, the farmer is terrified. He becomes more worried, more anxious, and more stressed than ever before because the farmer realizes, I have no place to store my crops. And he is afraid of losing it. Like the person who finally gets the dream house that they've been saving up for only to be overwhelmed by utility bills, or the person who finally bought that shiny car only to discover they're too scared of denting it to actually drive it, the farmer had finally gotten everything he ever wanted only to discover that he had never been so scared or stressed in his life. So the farmer has an idea. Rather than taking a loss, Rather than dividing his excess crops with his workers, or rather than giving some of it away to people who are hungry, the farmer famously decides that he will build bigger barns to store it all. Then, he says, then he will finally be at peace, finally able to relax, finally able to enjoy life. Then I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods stored up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And that night the farmer died. We never know how or when we will leave this life. And so the parable has a bit of a tragic ending. 
It's while he's busy running around worrying about how to build bigger barns and secure what's mine that the farmer learns a bit too late that nothing was ever really his, not even his life. And that no matter how hard you try, in the end, you really can't take it with you. Sadly, this is called the parable of the rich fool for a reason. The story has a tragic ending. It is a warning against all kinds of greed, as Jesus said that it would be. However, somewhere behind and beneath that ominous warning is a very hopeful invitation. In spite of what people sometimes assume, this parable isn't about outlandish greed. The farmer isn't Gordon Gecko or the Monopoly guy. The farmer's mistake isn't excessive greed, but that he let the culture around him expand his definition of need. That's what makes greed so dangerous as a sin. Greed gets to us. Our consumer culture gets to us, not by making us into robber barons, but by slowly convincing us that the things we want are the things we need. By slowly teaching us how to spend whatever is in our pocket. And we do it all the time without even noticing it. I do it all the time without noticing it. I need takeout because I don't have time to cook. I need that TV subscription because it has my favorite show. And that is the only way I can relax after a hard day. I need that expensive new car because I drive all the time. I need to spend $18,000 a year on non-essentials. I need more money in order to be happy. I need to keep every bit of that abundant harvest and the only way I can keep it is if I build bigger barns. That's what the parable is really about. As St. Basil of Caesarea, one of the most influential of all the earliest church fathers, as Basil once told his congregation about 1,700 years ago when he preached on this parable, tearing down your barns is a metaphor for expanding your definition of need. The farmer's tragic mistake wasn't that he just woke up one day and decided, it's okay for me to be greedy. No, his mistake was listening to the culture of endless want around him and letting it trap him in the endless pursuit of ever-expanding need. The farmer spends his life stressfully and fearfully tearing down and building up bigger and bigger barns over and over again as his standard of living grew, as his income rose, as he chased after more and more things that he thought he needed in order to finally be happy, finally be satisfied, finally be at peace. When the truth that he could have seen 
And the lesson that Christ won't let us miss is that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Verse 15, that's the heart of this passage. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And that isn't just meant to be an ominous warning about greed. It's meant to be a reminder about the things that life does consist of. And it's meant to be an invitation to find peace in receiving those things with gratitude. That's what it means to be content. From a biblical standpoint, being content doesn't just mean being really frugal with our money, but being content means being satisfied with what you have rather than anxious about what you don't. And at a much deeper level, being content means knowing what really matters in your life and being able to embrace those things with gratitude instead of rejecting them as you anxiously try and build bigger and chase after more. That's why contentment in the Bible isn't just a nice virtue, but is actually a spiritual discipline. It's something that, for especially the earliest Christians, could be as important as prayer or service or worship. Being content is having the ability to distinguish between the things that give us real meaning and the shiny things that can only keep us happy for a short while. And distinguish between the things that matter in your life and the things that are simply a passing windfall. To put it in more concrete terms, being content means knowing that you may want that dream home but your family doesn't need it in order to be happy. You may want to eat out, but you don't need to in order to be given this day your daily bread. And you may want that TV subscription, but you don't need it in order to have moments when you can be still and at peace. But more than just what we spend our money on being content is having the ability to be at peace, knowing that you may desperately want that promotion at work, but you don't need it in order to matter. You may want that dream, that plan, that vision for your life to come true, but you don't need it in order to have a life that is worth living. Being content means having the peace, the calm, and the confidence that comes from knowing what matters and what doesn't. That's why, maybe more than anything else, it's being content that allows Paul in Philippians, when he is sitting in a prison cell, to be able to say, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me.
Paul was at peace with the life he had rather than in fear of the bigger barns he didn't have because Paul knew that he didn't have to have an abundance in order to live abundantly. From the things we buy every day to the things we chase after in our dreams, being content means knowing that we don't need that car, those clothes, that vacation, that stuff in order to be joyful. And we don't need that goal, that dream, that plan in order to have a life that is truly blessed. And so in the end, the good news is that being content means being free. Free from the culture of endless want that pressures us. Free from the stress of wanting and chasing after more and more. And free from the exhausting need to keep building bigger and bigger barns. To be content is to be free. Because to be content is to live in gratitude for every bit of the life that we've been given and the life that does not consist in an abundance of possessions, but in living abundantly with the abundant blessings that we already have. So it's true, we do live in a culture of want. Every day, every week, and every holiday season, we are pressured and pushed to spend more, to buy more, to want more, and to build bigger and bigger barns. But the good news is we don't need to be a product of that want to be another consumer, another scared person living in fear of never having enough. But all we have ever needed is to be content with being the child of God we already are. So this next week, I challenge you to do something a little bit different, to try and be content. Try and bring a little bit more gratitude into your life. Between now and next Sunday, in this upcoming week, I would challenge every one of us to try and buy no more than one non-essential item. You can pay for groceries, you can pay for gas, you can pay the utility bills, you can pay for all the essentials, all the things that, yes, you need to get by, but when it comes to Starbucks, when it comes to ordering takeout, to those spontaneous Amazon purchases, when it comes to all the things that you don't really need but want, I would challenge you to see if this week you can get by without it. This week, can you be content with what you already have and with the abundant life that God has already given you? I would challenge you to try that this week. Just one non-essential item. Because we may live in a world full of people who are 
slavishly building bigger and bigger and bigger barns. But we are the people who know what life truly consists of, and we are out to truly live. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Christ Jesus, come and tear down our barns and remind us of where our treasure truly belongs. Savior, when we feel ourselves being tempted and pushed to buy more and more, may you be the voice in the back of our minds that reminds us of what we need and what we don't. When we find ourselves confused about what gives us real joy and what makes us happy for a day, may you be the conscience that helps us know what truly matters and what does not. And Lord, when we find ourselves building our bigger barns, may you come and set us free from our exhausting labor, and may you lead us to the peace of being content and the joy of being yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.